welcome to Off Screen. Let's get cinematic on the couch. We're still under lockdown after all. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And you're right, Van. This is not only your seven-day guide to everything movies, but it's movies on your couch. And it seems like to be the foreseeable because cinemas are pushing back their opening days, aren't they? Yes, imagine that. If only someone had seen that coming. I mean, it might have taken a profit. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it turns out when they've got nothing to show and the world continues to propagate a global pandemic, maybe don't open small enclosed rooms with air conditionings in which people aren't going to be having masks enforced on them. But then again, I I could just be being anal attentive about that. But still, you know, we've got movies we can watch at home, so it's not the end of the world. We've not just got movies that we can watch at home. We're we're taking you in even into the realm of... (laughs) of theatre, darling. Um, And that's what's kicking off our on-digital offerings today, isn't it? It is indeed. So, now, you know more about this brand than I do. I I know it sort of because, you know, it's it's an iconic thing. And it's, of course, Hamilton, which has been the zeitgeisty thing in the world of theatre for, what is it, like 10 years now? Is it 10 years? No, it can't be that long. I feel like the hype... I mean... (laughs) I feel like the hype's been the last three or four years. Well, I mean, okay, so, so what we've got is we've got on Disney Plus, because of lockdown, we get a pre recorded introduction to this with uh, writer, creator, performer uh, Lin Manuel Miranda and uh, director Thomas Kale, who directed the stage show and also directs this. And they do a pre recorded Zoom intro, effectively, in which they say, look, you know, because of lockdown, the fact we're all stuck inside and no one can come to the theatre right now, uh, we're bringing the theatre to you. So here you go, here's Hamilton, it's now on Disney+, Plus. sit around at home, gather your family, come together, and let's enjoy the story of Alexander Hamilton. And that's effectively what we've got. We've got a, a, an on-telly version, a recording of the iconic stage show from, I think it's the, the Richard Rogers Theatre in New York. This was recorded back in June 2016. So they've been sitting on this recording for four years, like four years and a month, just in the off chance it was ever needed. And, uh, yeah, well, here it is. The word got around, they said this kid is insane, man Took a book collection just to send him to the mainland Get your education, don't forget from whence you came And the world's gonna know your name What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton My name is Alexander Hamilton And there's a million things I haven't done just you wait, just you wait. When he was told his father split for the fifth debt, written two years later, see Alex and his mother bed, written half dead, sitting in their own sick, the scent thick, and Alex got better, but his mother went quack. Now, I'm really excited about this. So this obviously launches on Disney Plus today. Um, this is my, my Friday night viewing because... I'm one of those people that were that knew about the hype of Hamilton and I was like, okay, I love going to the theatre. I do love musicals. And I was going to drop a good couple of hundred pounds to go and watch this. But now mm. I don't have to do that because I can watch it from the comfort of my own home. And I'll feel, hopefully, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'll feel like I'm getting that front row view. You can see the facial expressions, everything. Mm. Please tell me that's what I'm getting. Right, very much the case. So what you've got is, so I say about three quarters of the three quarters of this has been filmed sort of traditional, like just looking in on the stage, you know, it's camera, maybe four or five rows back. But there are certain segments of this that have been filmed uh, separate from an audience. 
as part of the same. I think maybe they've done before, been done before that that performance, or they've been done after. Uh, but they've been done so that the camera can, in fact, be on the stage and in the thick of the action. Now, for my money, not enough of that has been done because. I struggle with watching a stage performance on a TV. There's a there's a reason most of my DVD collection isn't made up of concert DVDs, because I still struggle with exactly that. But even then, a concert DVD, I think, tends to be slightly more involved, slightly in your face. You remember when we talked about Aladdin last year? Yeah. I had One of my big things was Guy Ritchie simply does not know how to direct a musical sequence because he's four miles back, keeping it all in one static frame, and that, frankly, does not sell a musical to me. Um, this is... I will say, first of all, I didn't know an awful lot about Hamilton. I didn't know that the, the gimmick with this, if, if gimmick really is, I think gimmick makes it sound a little flimsier than it is, but the the USP of this is that we are talking about predominantly white characters in this story of founding father Alexander Hamilton, who incidentally, if you don't know, is sort of the founder of the, sort of the modern American financial system. So we can we can thank that guy. But the idea is that most of these uh, Caucasian characters are played by black and hispanic actors uh, you know all different races all different genders and that's the usb so lin-manuel miranda for instance who i think is puerto rican isn't he is he puerto rican uh, i think so yeah and he's playing obviously you know a caucasian character he's the lead uh, hell of a cast in this and because they filmed it four years ago a lot of these actors as i was saying to you before we were recording um have gone on to really big film roles in the years since so for instance anthony ramos uh, we've seen in a few things yeah. um uh, leslie odom jr i mean i remember him primarily for murder on the orient express with ken brana a couple of years ago uh david diggs is currently the star of the snowpiercer series on netflix and i, I know him from blackish and things like that um so this is this is a cast who's become quite huge noticeably in the four years since yeah absolutely and this is the thing I, I i love seeing stuff like that now when lockdown kicked in there was um andrew lloyd webber released a load of musicals on um on youtube that you could watch and i have to say there was a huge audience for that and i think with the hype around hamilton you're gonna get the same and i think the only concern that i've got i've never seen this before so i'm really excited to watch it is it's mm. a predominantly american story for a British audience, and I know we have loads of lovely yeah. listeners from all over the world here, but just put yourself into the perspective of this. For a British audience or an audience that is non-American, will we still understand and enjoy the story as much as Americans might do? In the same way that Cats, for instance, is more of an opera than it is a musical, you can make the same case with Hamilton, which is more of a hip-hop musical, more of a soul musical. There's a lot of fusion of different musical styles. And to be honest, as far as the story goes, the story is easy enough to follow. It's no more difficult to follow than Mel Gibson's The Patriot, to just pick an example out of thin air, but done as a sort of operatic musical and done in an unusual sort of unusual genre-specific style, sort of fusion style is unique to obviously the creation of Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh, obviously it's not entirely his story it is loosely based on uh, Ron Chernow's book uh, you know Hamilton as well but here's the, the the thing with it for my money what they've done in terms of crafting a new and unique musical might be the most distinct example since probably the Wiz in the 70s I would say yep. which is yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of the same bag yeah, okay. yeah very much that same kind of thing Oh, cool. Okay, well, listen, I'm excited. I'll probably give you a little bit of blurb as to what I think next week on it. <laughs> <laughs> please do, please do. Yeah, I will do. Um, but that's not the only offering that we've got on uh, on t TV to watch this week, is it? Um, well, on digital, in fact. We've got another movie. 
Well, that's not even digital. That's Disney Plus. So you could, if you've got Disney Plus, congratulations. You don't even have to pay for that one. You've already paid for it. Uh, so <laughs> meanwhile, if you want something you can actually have to pay for, uh, coming this Monday the 6th, there's Backroads, uh, which is a directorial debut of actor Alex Pettifer, who also stars in this, for, uh, based on a novel by, uh, I think it's Tony O'Dell who's co-written this uh, with Adrian Lin, of all people. The story here is that uh, Alex Pettifer plays a young man named Harley. He dreamt of going off to college. However, uh, fate intervened. His mother, played by Juliette Lewis, is incarcerated for the uh, the shooting death of his father. Uh, he is left to look after his three younger sisters um, how, and as he begins uh, an extramarital affair with a young mum, played by Jennifer Morrison from House and... Uh, was it Once Upon a Time? Is that the TV series with the fairy tales? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bunch of family secrets start to, you know, come to light. And this causes Harley to unravel as he discovers what's really been going on. Where's Misty? She didn't want to come. Harley wouldn't let her come. Why not? They fight in the truck and it drives me crazy. Do you want to know where Amber is? Amber's a big girl, so she probably has plans. She started dating. Define dating. Harley, what's wrong with you? So, okay, Alex Pettifer, we've kind of seen him on the movie scene. He's sort of never really got to that A-list sort of standard um, as an actor. He's now moving into directing. Do you think having watched this, that he's doing too much. He's trying to direct and act in it. Should he have just stayed behind the camera for this one? I mean, I sarcastically put in my own notes when I was noting down who directed this. Uh, director Alex Pettifer, no, really. Presumably he just ran out of directors who'd work with him. Um, which is me <laughs> being sarcastic, admittedly. But the thing is, that, that says an awful lot about the perception of Alex Pettifer. Because don't forget, we're only, what, eight years past Alex Pettifer being the next big thing. Now, since he never became the next big thing, one has to question why. And there are stories out there, and you can sift through Google yourself and figure that one out. Uh, I will say the film does represent a lot of what I think the issues, what I personally think the issues with Alex Pettifer are, which are namely, he is mechanically, you know, academically, technically, a very, very good actor. And he's very much the same as a director as well. You can tell that, you know, he knows how to make a film. His, his shot construction is there, his choice of visuals, it's there, but it's very mechanical, it's very technical, it's very academic. And it's one of those things where you look at the performance and you look at the direction and you think, I know that what you're doing is on a scoreboard good, it's but there's box. not really much... Yeah, it's a tick box. Thing. There's not much heart and soul behind it. And you can see this in the way he does it, the way he unfurls this performance, which is his response to everyone is, I look left, I look right, I look at the floor and mumble. And then, as as the as the as the line goes on and on, then my confidence will grow, and I'll come out with it because I'll just drop the subtext. I'll just drop the the, pre, the pretext, and it does feel like that. This does feel like a showreel case for someone who is technically very proficient, but otherwise not up to a whole heap of a lot. I mean, don't forget there is something also quite un, un, inherently unlikable about Alex Pettifer. But you know, he's got a great supporting cast here. The novel presumably is of a decent enough standing that he's managed to attract the likes of uh, Robert Patrick, Jennifer Morrison, uh, uh, Juliette Lewis, Nicola Peltz from Transformers 4. Let's not read too much into that one. And 
you know, on the whole, the film gets better as it goes on. It's about an hour and 40. It's a decent sort of uh, Winter's Bone type of yeah. a thing, kind of yeah. Winter's Bone with a dude kind of a thing. The problem is it's nothing you haven't seen a million times before, and it does feel like a lot of times like a film student filmmaking, if you know what I mean, just done with enough clout to at least afford to rent the really good equipment. Welcome back to Offscreen. Yes, we are keeping you on your couch. Don't despair because we have got an amazing selection of movies kicking off with the king of the jungle, in fact. (laughs) And I'm not talking about celebrity (laughs) jungle here. I'm talking about the legend of Tarzan. This is on ITV2, 6.50 p.m. on Saturday. This is starting your weekend. And actually, I have to say... I really enjoyed this movie. This has got Alexander Skarsgård as uh, Tarzan. It's got Margot Robbie in it as well. It's okay. I mean, it's no sort of, you know, uh, Christopher, I can't remember what his name is now, um, Highlander guy uh, playing Tarzan. Christopher Lambert. Lambert, yeah. It's no Christopher Lambert's Tarzan, but it is pretty well equipped, I think. You're pretty well equipped. You're talking about the man in the loincloth and you're calling him well equipped. Really, Rebecca? I have no <laughs> this idea what you mean. I'm being completely professional. <laughs> <laughs> so of course this was um, this was a 2016 effort from uh, Harry Potter uh, st- uh, you know mainstay David Yates and this is a sort of uh, one of this became quite popular this century I think the sort of reboot sequel to a brand that hasn't been depicted on screen for a while mm-hmm. so we saw this with uh, Alice in Wonderland which is rather than remake it let's do a sequel that just acknowledges the original event so this is Alexander Skarsgård as John Clayton the third aka Tarzan after he's returned to London and become civilized again and in this story, he's made to go back to the jungle with the help of an American freed slave sidekick played by Samuel L. Jackson to investigate just what's going on in the case of potential slavery in the Congo. Keep your voice low. That them? You don't want to do that, George. Kill one and the rest won't stop until they're torn you to pieces. So how you want to play this thing? Their leader will come down. We'll fight. Whatever happens, do not interfere. Understand? Mm Mm-hmm. Promise me. Like I say, I I really enjoyed this, and I forgot the fact that he has kind of um, become civilized again. I remember, mm. I remember quite liking that sort of way that you then see him transgress back into what, like being at one with the animals and stuff. I think it was portrayed really well. <laughs> Am I just being really caught up in that? Is this really well equipped film? <laughs> That's really, really well equipped. Yeah, but there's some great stuff in it. There's some really impressive visuals. Yeah. Um, some of the character stuff I quite like. There's some stuff I don't quite like. There is a weirdly crowbarred in homoerotic element between Tarzan and the villain Leon Rom, played by uh, uh, Christoph Waltz. But I like the, the buddy dynamic between Sam Jackson and Alexander Skarsgård. I like elements like Tarzan's knuckles being a certain way because, you know, he's, he's accustomed to having walked yeah. on all fours for so yeah. much of his life. And um, The interplay with uh, Margot Robbie, for the most part, I think Margot Robbie's depiction of Jane, the way they've characterised her, is mostly quite good. I mean, 
I'm no damsel, you know, I kind of like that stuff. I can see why she'd go for this project, but the problem is they then pull an Age of Ultron Black Widow on us and just make her the damsel anyway, which feels a bit self-defeating, really. There's great stuff in it, though. I'm a big fan of how he utilizes all the animals in the Congolese jungle to straight up murk the Belgian army, which I think is a great sequence. It's not a franchise, obviously, as history has gone on to prove, but you could see how it would have done. It's kind of like a slightly less successful version of The Mask of Zorro from 1998, if you remember that. Yeah, I do, I do. But I still, you know, I'm, I am one of those, even though I couldn't remember his name, I am a massive fan of the Christopher Lambert original Tarzan. So for this, it's well <laughs> worth a watch. ITV2, 6.50pm, that's going to kickstart your Saturday. And Sunday, I have to say, we're going back, back in time on Sunday to a much more, like... Fun, simpler time, time. yeah, with Christina Ritchie and Devon Sawyer in Casper on ITV2 at 4.35pm. So this is the adaptation of the uh, the iconic, you know, early you know, mid twentieth century American comics. I don't know if these were part of the Archie uh, sort of lineage, but Casper the Friendly Ghost, who you know died in a sledding accident as a young boy and stuck around the family house along with his three uncles, whose names I can't remember offhand. One of them's Stinky, Stretch, Fatso, and Stinky. Is that it? Uh. I think that I think is it. Stretched, okay. <laughs> and basically, Christina Ricci and her widowed father, Bill Pullman, notably not Paxton, because they were just fighting each other for roles at this point in the 90s. Um, Paxton had, I think, Twister and, and Pullman yeah. had Casper. That's how it worked. And so pa- uh, Pullman, not Paxton, goes <laughs> as a paranormal expert to exercise the ghosts in this house, um, which he doesn't realize is also the location of a sort of a unique Rube Goldberg-like machine designed by Casper's late father that could resurrect the dead. But of course, all of this is immaterial, considering that Bill Pullman himself doesn't really believe in ghosts. What are you saying? I saw a ghost, and it had a head, and it was round, and it was white and see-through, and... Honey, no, maybe... Dad, please, do not think I'm as crazy as I thought you were. I promise. No, 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 but remember, ghosts can't hurt you, okay? They're simply spirits with unfinished business, all right? Let's just see about this ghost, all right? Come here, come on. Let me check here. Oh, see? No ghost there. Now we can check over here. Oh! No, there's no ghost in there. We can even check over here. There. See? Pleasure to meet you, sir. Hell of a shriek there. Yeah, I just want to revisit this because I remember watching this maybe as a 10-year-old or something and just completely, firstly, when, when spoiler alert, when Casper is revealed as Devin Sawyer, <laughs> I'm sort of falling in love with Devin Sawyer on this. Oh, every, every teenage girl, every yeah, teenage girl at that but moment, also, my word. Also, Christina Ritchie had just come out of like the iconic role as Wednesday Adams, and then she kind of plays a spot role in this. And it's good to, you know, you start to see how accomplished she is as an actress. This is just a great film, not just for kids. I mean, obviously, if you've got kids, you're going to want to introduce them to this. But also from your nostalgic point of view, you're definitely going to watch this on Sunday at 4.35 on ITV2. Well worth your time. I'm just going to say as well, on the back of that comment about Devin Sauer, Devin Sauer, Sawyer, whatever his name is yeah. pronounced as. Um, but you know how, you know, obviously there's just a generation of teenage girls who just fell instantly in love with Devin right. Sauer at the moment. Because, um, yeah, exactly. I want to just, just relay you the perspective from the teenage boys angle as well, oh, which was... God. 
We only knew Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams. This is kind of the first time any of us saw her without all the makeup on. And an entire generation of teenage boys equally fell in love with Christina Ricci. I can, can assure you of that. Well, then there's something for everyone then. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Speaking of something for everyone, let's talk about what I think is one of the most beautiful films of the past 10 years. And this is Ang Lee's 2012 Life of Pi. You, I say you were a fan of this as well then. Oh, I love this. I remember having to watch it to review it and then telling my husband, we have to go and watch this in the cinema and going back and um, very unusual for me, going to pay to go and watch this again. Mm. <laughs> because this was the, the height of the 3D boom as well. This was one of the great big examples of Here's what you can do with 3D technology. Go figure it was it was Ang Lee doing it. Gorgeous visual uh, landscape there. Very um, very artistic, very poet, visually poetic film. It's the story of Pi, who is uh, left adrift after a shipwreck with a tiger, whom he quickly names Richard Parker. I never thought a small piece of shade could bring me so much happiness. That a pile of tools, a bucket, a knife, a pencil might become my greatest treasures or that knowing Richard Parker was here might ever bring me peace. In times like these, I remember that he has as little experience of the real world as I do. We were both raised in a zoo by the same master. Now we've been orphaned, left to face our ultimate master together. Without Richard Parker, I would have died by now. My fear of him keeps me alert. Tending to his needs gives my life purpose. Oh, yeah, this is this is amazing. And this just goes to show, like, Ang Lee, um, he's, he's had a few clangers um, since with his kind of desperation to push technology and film forward. Gemini, um, man, I mean... Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Um, but this is, at its absolute core, a brilliant piece of cinema because, and even if you are going to watch this on the small screen, I still think you're going to appreciate the level of detail, the amazing way they've recreated um, the, the tiger in it. Is it tiger or lion? Lion. It's a lion, isn't it? It is, it is, it is, a, it is a tiger. Tiger named Richard tiger, Parker, tiger. I'm sure. Yeah. It, the amazing way they've created that, the incredible mm. ability of the kid who plays, um, who plays Pi, I mean, he was a first-time actor. They just found him. They did their normal sort of street casting for this and found him. This was the most coveted role in Hollywood yes. for South Asian for South Asian performers. There was a whole controversy about South Asian actors all basically fighting each other for this one role. And there's a story of one actor who I think felt that he was entitled to it for some baseless reason. Can't remember what that one's worth looking into. Uh, doesn't like, Rafe Spall turns up in this as well? Yeah, I he's there as part of the narrative, the sort of storytelling behind mm, the it. The framing device. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it all just works really well. Fundamentally, if you haven't seen this in a few years, you're going to want to revisit this. It's a really nice movie to kick off your Monday, and again, it's six thirty-five p.m. A lovely time for this. Film four, always showing out those great classics, and this is very much a part of that. So make sure you check it out. And we're back and keeping you on that couch. Do you know what? On Tuesday, I'm really looking forward to seeing this one again back. So one of my favourite movies of the past sort of five years. This is Alex Garland's Ex Machina. You remember this one? This is on Film 4 at 11.15. I remember the dance that Oscar Isaac did. <laughs> <laughs> such a good dance, right? <laughs> I mean, I probably didn't love this as much as you did, but I do appreciate it is a blooming good sci-fi film. Um, 
I can't quite remember the storyline. You have to take us through it again. Um, exactly what it so is. This is it, it's sort of a Black Mirror type setup for like a character drama. What you've got is the software designer, the the revolutionary AI engineer played by Oscar Isaac, and he has developed you know a new form of synthetic life played by Alicia Vikander. He brings in a coder played by Donald Gleeson as a sort of guinea pig to help him run the Turing test on her to ensure that she can pass effectively for human. I still hear in this. You feel stupid, but you really shouldn't because proving an AI is exactly as problematic as you said it would be. What was the real test? You. Ava was a rat in a maze, and I gave her one way out. To escape, she'd have to use Self-awareness, imagination, manipulation, sexuality, empathy, and she did. Now, if that isn't true AI, what the is? So my only function was to be someone she could use to escape. Yeah. It's a really thoughtful, really clever film, this. I actually think it's, it's one of the best of the, say, one of the best, most notable ones of the past few years. Um, Alex Garland, I think, really shot to prominence for me with this. I'd known him, obviously, going back to, like, The Beach years yeah. earlier. And, yeah, and obviously he was, he was involved in Dread, for instance. He went on to Annihilation with Natalie Portman. But this, for me, this is the big Alex Garland film. Sunshine, I think, comes into, comes into play as yeah, well. I love Sunshine. Sunshine. But this is... This is his masterpiece, I think. Yeah, I mean, I love Dread. Like, that is one of my favourite films. Um, I saw that before I saw The Raid, which is why I loved it. And I know there's always that controversy over it. But Ex Machina, the reason why I say I appreciate it but don't love it is I find it almost too stark. It's a three-hander. It's Mm. in one setting. And for me, I, I struggle with films like that. And so that's just something to be aware of. But it doesn't mean that it takes anything away from it. it it's very well-equipped brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also don't forget that until Parasite came out, this was the coolest house in cinema. So, yeah, you know, they had agreed. that going for it. Agreed. <laughs> but it's really worth the watch. If you haven't seen it before, it is actually one of Alex Garland's best. It's on film for 11.15pm on Tuesday. It's worth kind of hitting the record button for if that's a bit late for you, just so you can mm. give it your full attention whenever suits you. But Moving on, and speaking of attention, you're going to need this for your Wednesday because we've got a Bradley Cooper movie and also Robert De Niro's in this as well. It's called Limitless. It's on Five Star at 11.05pm, another late one. I really enjoyed the concept of this. I, I think the execution could have been slightly better, but it... it really? Yeah, I, I, I think it, it sort of didn't Ooh. take off in the way that I thought it was going to, but I, like I say, I love mm. the concept of it. Um, mm. Essentially what we're seeing here is if I, my memory serves me right I feel like he's taking a blue or a red pill from when I saw this but it's something quite clear simple. pill so a it's a clear pill, pill called NZT yeah. uh, he is a failed writer uh, Bradley Cooper who wasn't really a huge star at this point this is just before he, he'd sort of broken out this is one of his first sort of post hangover projects I think post hangover um, <clears throat> which is an interesting way to describe his character in this so he's Eddie Mora sort of failed struggling writer who takes an experimental drug known as NZT that unlocks all the potential of the human brain allows him to finish his novel in an afternoon clean his apartment in 15 minutes learn Chinese in half an hour, and eventually just start to take over the world one stage at a time, right up until he meets Robert De Niro, who's the master banker who utilizes his talents in the world of finance. Well, in order for a career to evolve, I'm going to have to move on. That you would even think that would only show me how unprepared you are to be on your own. 
I mean, you do know you're a freak. <laughs> your deductive powers are a gift from God or chance or a stray shot of sperm or whatever, or whoever the hell wrote your life script. A gift, not earned. You do not know what I know because you have not earned those powers. You're careless with those powers. You flaunt them and you throw them around like a brat with his trust fund. You haven't had to climb up all the greasy little rungs. You haven't been bored blind at the fundraisers. You haven't done the time in that first marriage to the girl with the right father. You think you can leap over it all in a single bound. You haven't had to bribe or charm or threaten your way to a seat at that table. You don't know how to assess your competition because you haven't competed. Don't make me your competition. Now I'll open up a line of credit for you. You'll be wanting a few toys. I love De Niro in this. He's actually making an effort for a change. It's, it's nice yeah. to see. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Actually, he's not just sat on the couch looking miserable. Um, <laughs> no, it is. It is really good performances. I don't want to take anything away from it. I just remember. Now I haven't seen this in well over ten years, but I remember coming out of the cinema, and I think there was a massive hype machine around it because it was literally where Bradley Cooper was on the cusp of stardom. And yeah. This is the point in which you've got Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro, something Matrix-esque happening. And then suddenly it doesn't quite, for me, it just felt not underwhelming. It just felt very, very middle of the road. It didn't do anything that I wasn't expecting it to do. And that's that's the problem, I think. Well, you look at when this came out as well. Like we made the the Black Mirror comparison with uh, with Ex Machina. This had that same kind of thing going for it as well. Yeah, uh, Black Mirror was coming to prominence at that point, but also this is a year before Silver Linings Playbook came out, and that's really the start of the Bradley Cooper that we know now. The thing the as well era. about Limitless. Yeah, the, the Cooper area. Yeah. Um, yeah. the, the thing about Limitless as well is it would go on to spawn an actually really good TV spin-off series as well, in which Bradley Cooper was no longer the protagonist. There was a new protagonist, uh, played by Jake Dornan. But Bradley Cooper did appear in it like two or three times as Eddie Morris, who actually continued the story from the movie. So the, the series actually did form a direct sequel and did follow what became of the NZT drug. It was actually very, very good as well. If you get the chance to see that, it only lasted one season, but it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, moving on to something that's equally brilliant in my mind, yeah. though. It was the definitive rom-coms of the late 90s, and possibly Adam Sandler's best movie, if we're being really honest. It's Thursday night, it's five star, it's 8pm. Easter Wedding Singer, Bex. Uh, do you know what? Do you know where I watched this for the very first time? I think I must have been about 14, and I was on a cruise. I was on a, on a boat to Spain and it was an overnight boat that I had to take and they had a cinema there and they showed the wedding singer and oh my god I had such a whale of a time with this movie it's so nostalgic <laughs> for me <laughs> so this is obviously this is a 1986 set story following uh Robbie Hart a wedding singer played by Adam Sandler who falls in love who's dumped and basically jilted at the altar by his own fiance and is hired as the wedding singer for the, you know a, a new friend that he makes played by Drew Barrymore as Julia soon to be Julia Gulia and yeah. uh, he finds that as they as they they grow closer, he starts to fall head over heels in love with her, and it's not exactly one-sided. I woke up this morning and I realized I'm about to marry a wedding singer? I am never gonna leave Ridgefield. Why do you need to leave Ridgefield? We grew up here. All our friends are here. It's the perfect place to raise a family. Oh, yeah. Living in your sister's basement with five kids while you're off every weekend doing wedding gigs at a whopping 60 bucks a pop? Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Sandler on fine form here. Great cast, yeah. isn't it, this one? 
such a great cast and su there's an iconic moment in it where one of the characters starts to sing do you really want to hurt me and he goes you <laughs> and then someone in the background goes you suck <laughs> it's the that's, that's actually the late alexis arquette who passed a few oh. years ago as well yeah i mean look there's there's nuggets of brilliance in this that i think mm. enjoy Steve and yeah, it's it's Steve Buscemi's brilliant in this, and it's just it's it it's timeless. It, you can watch it now, 15, 20 years later, and still enjoy it and still get it as much. It's got that eighty zing about it. Anyway, so that is it. And talking about zing and fun and timeless, and, and timeless. <laughs> this is probably apart from the Goonies, my favourite movie of all time. This is the Rocky Horror Show on Talking Pictures TV at ten o'clock on Friday. This is the way to start your next weekend. Um, doing the time warp and everything because this is the most brilliant show of the 70s that you'll ever ever see come up to the lab and see what's on the slab i see you shiver with anticipation but maybe the rain is really to blame so i'll remove the cause <laughs> but not the symptom. Tim Curry on fine form. I don't think would ever quite be recaptured until Chewy Tell Edgy of Four would become uh, Lola in 2005. <laughs> but uh, who doesn't love the Rocky Horror Picture Show? This is one of the all-time musicals, isn't it? Well, do you know what? I've seen the musical version of this where you, you dress up and you go and dance in the, in the cinema and you, you know, have a great time. <laughs> yeah, I've done, yeah, I've done this five times. It's amazing. But this is the story of Brad and Janet who um, are going to get married. They go on a story night uh, for a drive and they end up coming breaking down and having to seek refuge at this weird mansion and they get involved in meeting uh, the, the transvestite that is... Um, Frank Dr. Frankenfurter. Yeah, and he is trying to recreate man in the version of Rocky. And they get caught up in all of this. It has got the catchiest soundtrack. It has got the most amazing performances from Susan Sarandon. Um, obviously, Tim Curry there, Rich O'Brien. Harry Boswick as well. Yeah, it, it's just the best movie ever to uplift you. And for someone who was so young when I first watched it, it really, I really shouldn't have seen it at that time, but I absolutely loved it. So make sure you love it on your Friday night as well. Talking Pictures TV, 10pm. What a way to round off the week. And we're back on that couch. Where else are we going to be, if we're being honest? For some DVDs, some Blu-rays, and some streaming offerings. So, this perfect. Uh, and I know you do love a shiny disc. Let's talk about Dark Waters, which is arriving on that Monday the 6th. Uh, this was Mark Ruffalo's sort of straight-faced version of Aaron Brockovich, wasn't it? It was, and don't don't get your hopes up that it is anything like Aaron Brockovich. It is an interesting story, because this is about how... Um, the water in a particular sort of area of the US got contaminated by the big, big companies and started killing not only the, the animals in the surrounding areas, but also causing long term damage and cancer and defects for a lot of people that were living in there. It's a true story. It's still ongoing. Mark Ruffalo plays the lawyer, mm. fights the battle against this. And that battle is still, as I say, ongoing. So it's, it, it's a continuing story. But it's one of those films which I think, you know, from a from a perspective of a movie is 
interesting to watch, but how cinematic actually is it? I agree with you. There is something that feels quite TV movie about this. And I think given that it's Todd Haynes directing, that it's Mark Ruffalo starring, you look at the cast that's in this and like Tim Robbins and people, you do expect something quite pedigree. You expect a serious Oscar contender. And what you get instead just feels like something like an AMC made for TV movie, you know, something that you would, you'd, you'd, you'd catch on streaming to be honest nowadays I uh, feel, less a less a theatrical experience yeah and i feel i wonder if that's to do with them sticking so closely to the original kind of real source material on this because actually what it needed was a little mm. bit of artistic license to really get it going also massively underusing anne hathaway she literally plays a doting oh, yeah. which is a huge shame. <laughs> i mean look i'm not going to be a debbie downer on this completely i just i just feel that it's an interesting story. I learned a lot. It's DuPont, isn't it? That was, it was the the company behind it. Yeah. DuPont Chemical. Oh, yeah. Because if you remember, there's the interesting thing that, you know, Mark Ruffalo also starred in Foxcatcher, yeah. in which it was about the other DuPont. You're like, what does he have against the DuPont family? What is Mark Ruffalo's thing about the DuPonts? Exactly. Someone ask him about this, please. I just, let's, yeah. let's move on to something a little more cheery, though, because yeah, I know do. one we did quite like. Uh, well, this is a movie that I think you look at it on the surface and you kind of look at the poster and you go, really, this looks naff, but Military Wives <laughs> is brilliant. Now, this is stars Sharon Horan, um, Kristen Scott Thomas. It's the story of a group of, as you know, military wives who have had to have their husbands deployed off to Afghanistan for their six-month tour. They're left behind at base. And they're trying to basically cope with life as it is without their other halves. And how do you do that? Well, of course, you start a choir. They need something to focus on. I think Afghan is enough. No, besides that, they need, they need something to work on collectively, a project, something that brings them together. Look, if you think singing onward Christian soldiers is what the women need, then you're more out of touch than I thought. I am simply trying to do my duty as Colonel's wife Look, to the best of my ability. Do it. Just go ahead. You don't need my permission. We both know the women won't join if you don't. I'm quite aware of how they feel about me. Listen, I know you still want to be part of the gang, but unfortunately, you have a leadership role on this tour, and that means responsibilities. You may not need the choir, Lisa, but those women do. Actually, do you know what? This is not only a really funny tale and heartwarming and stuff, but it, it, it's a true story. It's, it launched, this is the amazing thing, it launched the kind of successful military wives choir that we see here in the UK. There was a huge... Um, big surge of this I think back in 2017 wasn't it it was a big BBC show mm. that happened um and and to be honest it, it's a beautiful story and I love how it, although given the artistic license to be funnier for film it still has that very British quirky almost full Monty brassed off kind of feel about it well, because it, it, it does come from the director of the Full Monty, doesn't it? So yeah. it has that natural pe pedigree to it. Plus, of course, that great banter between Kristen Scott Thomas and Sharon Organ. And Kristen Scott Thomas doing comedy is actually something that I don't think we realise is, is a real rarity, something we're not quite accustomed to. Like Sharon Organ, this is like, you know, average day for her. But doing it with Kristen Scott Thomas, that's, that's kicking it up to a whole other level. I thought this was charming as hell. Did you get a little misty-eyed during this as well? Because I had time. misty-eyed. I think I had to look away from you in the screening room because I think I was <laughs> by the time the credits came up and you saw all the real military wives choirs around around the UK mm. I was a bit like don't talk to me I've got to go <laughs> it was lovely so one that uh, 
One I don't think is going to quite bring as many tears to uh, anyone's eyes, but it will elicit an entirely different kind of visceral reaction. Is the uh, well, I mean, this was quite long awaited when it opened theatrically, and it opened I think just before lockdown began. And this was the Hunt, uh, Blumhouse's adaptation, effectively or reimagining of uh, the most dangerous game, basically the old humans hunted for sports story. But the big hook here being the people being hunted are the Republicans and the rich elites hunting them are the Democrats. So that's your twist here. And it's quite a novel twist if we're being honest like having hillary swank in there and glenn howerton from it's always sunny in philadelphia aka dennis reynolds everyone's favorite there this is this is a good run but of course it has that great gimmick as well where there is a hell of an all-star cast at the beginning of this who don't necessarily have to be around for that long if you follow my drift yeah we've got like justin hartley who you'll recognize from this is us (laughs) you think oh okay he's in this movie i'm not going to give it away but you can only imagine what happens as well and, and like Ethan Suple and, and people like that. It's a real it's a really interesting roster of talent who, like you say, because of the nature of the film, it's quite interesting to see just who's in it and who's not, if you know what I mean. But you can find out for yourself on DVD. That's available from Monday, along with Military Wise, which I can't recommend highly enough, and Dark Waters, which uh uh, well, you need a last-minute present for someone. Uh, all on Monday the 6th. Uh, over to streaming, then, and one that we, d- we didn't get to see, so we can't really review. Uh, that's out. For, this is out from today. And this stars Nazim Padrad. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And this is Desperados, which is a rom-com about uh, a sort of hapless singleton, 30-something singleton, who, you know, meets the perfect guy one day, and he's played by Robbie, Robbie Amell. So, of course, he's the perfect guy. And she goes on a date with him and they have the perfect nights and then the next day she's waiting for him to call and he never calls and then well Wes is that you it's Jared I'm in Mexico I was in a bit of a car accident my phone's at the resort what? I'll call you when I know more if Jared reads that email my life is over oh my god would it be insane if I went to Mexico and erased the email yes Please tell me you have a plan to find Jared's room. She doesn't have a plan. She never has a plan. I mean, this, I I, I know we haven't seen it yet, but I am putting this on my list for this weekend because it just sounds hysterical and... It does, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, what we're after is something a bit lighthearted, a little bit trashy, and Netflix kind of does these these films really well. So Desperados, I thought it was Desperado. Let's not get this wrong. It is not another <laughs> different movie, Max. Very, very different. Yeah. I said there are, no, there are no machine gun guitar cases anywhere in sight. But there might be a hint of... We haven't seen it, we don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. We'll wait and see. But maybe, maybe Antonio Banderas will pop up and maybe it'll be an even better movie than it already looks to be but yeah desperados on netflix as of today that's your streaming sorted for the weekend netflix always comes up with trumps with loads of great movies so we got i'd be doing the time warp to um to see in the weekend i'd probably chuck in a little bit of nostalgia with casper and then round it off by by pulling out the jazz hands the hip-hop jazz hands for some hamilton i think that's my weekend sorted 
That sounds like a that sounds like a good lineup actually. Max. I mean, for me personally, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Limitless and Ex Machina again. I I love me a good old Black Mirror type story. Those are my cast, my jam. Um, but of course, I, I I've been looking forward to revisiting The Hunt recently. I nearly sat and watched it this last week. Uh, then something work related came up, so I didn't quite get to do that. Um, but looking forward to doing that. I like seeing Dennis Reynolds with a machine gun. That's that's just that's just one, of my, one of my things, baby. And also Hillary Clank yeah, exactly. kicking some butt. So. <laughs> With, with, the, with the stiletto heel, no less. I mean, uh, let's come not on. give it all away. Let's not give it all away. Anyway, this has been your roundup and your seven-day guide to everything movies. We'll be back on the couch yet again as the cinema de- release dates are being pushed back even further. So stick with us. We'll have more for you. I've been Vex Perfect. I've been Vex Connor. And this has been Off Screen. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>